0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Interlude podcast. You are listening to episode 77, A Conversation with Shannon McAndrews. Shannon was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer in the spring of 2020. She underwent treatment with chemotherapy, surgery, radiation, and now is on endocrine therapy. On this episode, we focus mostly about hair. We talk about the decision that she made to go bald and to not get a wig and to not do cold capping how she made that decision, and what it was really like to start losing your hair, deciding to shave your head, dealing with your scalp during treatment, and the hair regrowth process. There is a lot, a lot of great information on this podcast episode, a lot of helpful tips for people who are about to or going through a similar situation. We hope that you'll find it helpful. And with that, it is my honor to welcome Shannon McAndrews to the Interlude Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude Podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Thanks, Shannon, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit about who you are and your story? Sure. My name is Shannon McAndrews. I am 34 years
1: old. I live in Eastern Washington state and, um, kind of at the height of the pandemic in May, April, I guess, April of 2020, I, um, found a lump in my left breast, um, while I was actually, while I was exercising, um, it was kind of painful and I thought maybe I had just pulled a muscle, but, um when the pain didn't really go away, I asked my trainer, I just kind of said, this is happening. Could I think it's a pulled muscle. Is this sound right to you? And She said, actually it doesn't. That's not really a place where a muscle would be. And um, it might be something else. So think about that. And of course I have a pretty extensive history of breast cancer in my family. And um, that was the first thing that my mind went to was like, oh man. It's not this easy thing of of being a pulled muscle like this could actually be something more. So I went um, and called my uh, women's clinic and they got me in right away. And um, the nurse kind of agreed that that was abnormal and referred me to get a mammogram and a biopsy as soon as they could. But I live in a pretty small town and and keep in mind, it was also the pandemic. And so they, things took a while. I don't think I got a mammogram or a ultra, um, biopsy until about three weeks later. And I was just kind of sitting with that weight, wondering what could this be? Is it nothing? Is it something? Will it go away by then? And long story short, it turned out that it was breast cancer. Um, I, uh, was eventually diagnosed with clinical stage 2B um, invasive ductal carcinoma in my left breast. Um, It uh, was treated with um, chemotherapy first. So I did 20 weeks of Taxol and um, um, AC chemo. And then I um, did a bilateral mastectomy and um, some sentinel lymph node removals on both the re- right and left side. And um, a few of those lymph nodes that they removed came up positive for breast cancer as well. So I went back and had a um, an axillary lymph node dissection on both right and left sides. And uh, I think between the two, I had almost 40 lymph nodes removed and... Um, I think seven of them were positive. So, uh, we ended the surgeries there. I did five weeks of radiation and now I am kind of finished with active treatment and just doing all of the surveillance and, um, trying to move on with survivorship. <laughs> and,
0: and that's not easy, right? Treatment yes. is easy, but survivorship is also not easy. And you're on, are you on any treatment right now? yeah, I'm doing a few things.
1: I'm doing, um, like ovary suppression, um, injections with, uh, Zolodex, which I get quarterly and I do, um, daily. I take a aromatase inhibitor called letrozole daily. And, um, I also am taking something called Versenio or a bemicyclib that, um, is hopefully reducing the rate of any type of reoccurrence that, um, could possibly happen inside my body.
0: And we know that abemocycloids did just get FDA approved. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. It does have a lot of benefits. So, we wanted to record this podcast really to talk about your experience of kind of hair during treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Starting from that day when you were told you would lose your hair to where it's now and how it's regrown and what it looks like now. So, let's start with the beginning. You know, you're mm-hmm. sitting in the oncologist's office, I presume, and did you ask about hair? Did they tell you you were going to lose your hair? And what was that like? Yes. Yeah. I,
1: from previous experiences with my family members, I lost my mother to metastatic breast cancer almost 14 years, actually 14 years ago this past weekend. Um, so I knew that hair loss was most likely going to be something I was going to have to deal with. And, um, I, I didn't necessarily ask about it, but my oncologist did say, this is our plan for you. We would, we're going to have you do these two different chemotherapy drugs or three different chemotherapy drugs. Um, and one of the side effects is hair loss. And at that point, I almost didn't even care. I was more concerned about surviving and living. Um, I married, I have two small children. I have, at the time my kids were three and four they're, um, a year older now, so they're four and five. Um, and I knew what my mom had went through with breast cancer and I just was worried that that was going to be my fate. Um, thankfully it hasn't. And my, uh, experience has been so much different than hers. Um, even though we've had kind of similar treatment paths, but, um, things have come a long way in 20 years. But um, yes, the mention of hair loss was definitely something that they talked to me about first. And um, that was really one of the first side effects that I experienced from chemotherapy. I started with um, taxol, paclitaxel uh, chemotherapy, and I fared that pretty well. I was surprised that um, my main side effects were nausea and fatigue, but otherwise, and they weren't particularly severe. Um, like I thought from watching my mom go through this, I was just like, Oh no, like, how am I going to take care of my kids? What am how am I going to travel? I was traveling almost five hours, one way to be, to meet with my oncologist and to get chemotherapy. Oh my and so I was just like, how, how am I going to do this? And um, so other than the nausea and the fatigue, um, hair loss was kind of the thing that I noticed first. And it took about three weeks, two weeks, two to three weeks, um, for me to really notice, uh, that my hair was thinning. And I noticed it first on my pillowcase, you know, uh, I'd wake up one morning and there was like 10 hairs on my pillow. And I just thought, Oh no, this is beginning. And I try not to touch it because I thought if I touched it, it would fall out. And um, I try not to wash it for the same reason, but I had decided, I'm not really sure how I came to the decision, but I just thought, you know, I'm just going to be bald and it's going to be, I was diagnosed in May, the hair loss started in June and I thought it's going to be hot. Am I gonna wanna wear a wig when it's hot? And how am I gonna do this? And I had spoken to a few people who had done cold capping prior to um me starting chemotherapy. And um I, there was it seemed like there was mixed reviews on it. Um, I uh had a friend who did it and saved the majority of her hair, and um, she got a um, kind of like a halo type hair extension that she was able to wear with it. And you almost never didn't notice that there was a difference. And then I had somebody who also tried it and said that it didn't really work for them. And, um, I kind of had to weigh the benefits for myself and know that cold capping comes with the extra cost because my insurance wasn't going to cover it. And so how was I going to pay for that? And just the extra work that it required in the dedication of wearing the caps and the gloves or the feet and whatever uh, comes along with that. In addition to like my friend did getting a halo wig, that was a few hundred dollars. And, um, I just thought, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm just going to be bald and I'm going to own it and wear it. And, um, I felt like it was kind of like a badge sort of like, you know, that way, if I look terrible and I'm out in public, people know why, like they will, will know why I look so terrible or. um, So I think that was kind of the thought process behind being bald, choosing to go bald and choosing not to wear a wig and not cold cap. I thought that I would be more, Concerned about what a wig or the hair that I was able to keep doing cold capping, I thought I would be more concerned about what that looked like and be have that more consume me um, than just being bald and knowing that this is what I look like and I'm just accepting it and moving forward. You know, I thought. Um, I'd be worried if, does this look right? Is, is there a bald spot that's showing? I felt like that would just kind of take away from my everyday life. And, um, I felt like being bald and free in the 90 degree weather was just something that was going to be easier for me
0: and one less thing to think about. Um, you know, I think that that's something that a lot of people say is that it is such a stressful addition, right? Some people, like cold capping um, because it gives them something to control and to be in charge of, but other people really, it's, it's such an overwhelming process on top of everything. And it's such a personal decision, uh, you know, and I think whatever people decide, I I think sometimes you're made to feel like you should do one thing or another, like you should get a wig or you should cold cap, but you, you don't, you do whatever, you know, feels right for you. So when, you know, your hair starts falling out, you have young kids. Mm -hmm. How did they, did they notice Did they react to it? What did you tell them? Yeah.
1: I don't think that they noticed the hair thinning, um, or falling out or anything. There was never an experience I can recall where they said, whoa, your hair is falling out. But when we, my husband and I told the girls that I had cancer and that, um, they i was going to get medication that treated treated my cancer but it would make my hair fall out that was one of the first things i told them because i knew that that would most likely be the first thing that they noticed they may not notice that i'm nauseous they may not notice that i'm tired um but they would definitely notice that my i didn't have any hair and um i personally talked to my husband about it and we felt like the best way to approach it with our kids was um, to make light of it. And I didn't want them to be scared. I didn't want them to be afraid of me or afraid of the situation. So we kind of joked around about it and made light of it and talked about sometimes when it grows back, it might be a different color or it might be a different texture. And one of them said, "Well, what if it grows back and it's purple you know and so we kind of joked about that and um, when it was finally time for me to cut my hair it was about three weeks into my chemotherapy um, uh, process and I was just t- I had I kept feeling like I had hair on me all the time like it was shedding and I would feel it on my arms or on my face and I was just tired of that feeling of all of these little hairs falling out on me and so i said okay i'm going to wait one more week because it was like my husband's birthday and i was going to wait one more week and then we were going to shave it and i decided to do it as like make it a family thing and um i didn't just want to show up one day um, from the hair salon and be bald and have my kids be like whoa what's this what happened um so we all went out in my garage and um my husband i put had my hair in a ponytail and my husband just cut off the ponytail and then we got the um the electric razor out and everybody took turns going through and cutting it and um it was an interesting experience because i was trying to be strong for my kids and for my family i didn't want to be emotional and upset about it um but on the inside i kind of was and I, we had a friend that was in town and he actually videotaped it because I just wanted to have that to remember. And I was w- watching it the other day and I noticed my feet are c- kind of like curling. Like I'm like kind of trying to hold it in like, well, this is, this is so funny. But at the same time, yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is actually happening and th- there's no turning back. And so, um, we, I didn't cut it all the way down to my scalp the first time. Um, because that was something that my oncologist did mention that previous patients of theirs, uh, had better luck with rashes or ingrown hairs or just irritation. Um, if they didn't actually shave it all the way down to the skin. And so, um, it was still pretty short when I, first cut it or when we cut it, it was like, I don't remember, I don't know exactly how short, but, um, it was pretty short and it was definitely a change. And I remember, um, going out in my backyard afterwards, I I went and took a shower and I went out in my backyard and I could feel the wind or like the breeze and my short hair. And I was just like, wow, this is different. Like I used to have the longest, like elbow length, brown hair. And now it was just like this little stub and, um, it just was like definitely a different experience and, but also kind of empowering. I, you said that, um, some people choose to cold cap because it gives them something to control. And, um, I felt like by cutting my own hair and choosing to go bald, that was something that I, could control. I could control when I was going to cut my hair and I could control what it looked like at that time. And, um, that was kind of like a comforting thing to me because there are so many things with a breast cancer diagnosis that are completely out of your control. And, um, I felt
0: empowered by making that decision for myself to do that. So that's great. I mean, I, can imagine how challenging it was right because you want to be strong and you want to stay positive but you know i think hair hair is one of those things that really makes it real
1: yes that this is happening and you don't realize how much you <laughs> like appreciate or how m- much your hair um, contributes to your personality or your, the way that you look until you don't have it anymore. And Mm -hmm. then down the road, you don't have any eyebrows and don't have any eyelashes either. And so it's just like, wow. Um, you don't realize how important your hair is to your appearance until you don't have any anymore,
0: or you change it drastically. And what was, you know, waking up the next day with, you know, not completely bald, but, you know, Mm -hmm. how did you care for your scalp? during chemotherapy? Did you develop any reactions, rashes? Tell us the bad and the good. Yes,
1: The bad bad is definitely um, skin irritation and rashes. Um, I think taxol has a lot of uh, skin irritation side Mm -hmm. effects. Um, So I definitely experienced that. And um, especially depending upon the hats that I wore, Um, it was summertime. And so I wanted to keep my scalp covered just to keep it out of the sun. Um, And a lot of like the straw type sun hats were so irritating. And if they weren't the right kind of material, it would just like set my scalp on fire. And so I had to be really careful about what um, type of hats I wore. Um, And eventually once I went and saw my oncologist, as soon as Uh, the irritation had begun, they did prescribe me with a topical ointment that, um, I was to put on it a few times a day. And that definitely seemed to help. And it also helped on other parts of my body that were developing these rashes on my finger, my hands, I noticed it, um, as well as some spots on my face. I'm trying to recall what the medication was. And I looked back at my, all of my charts and I can't figure out what it is. So if you want to know what it is, I will ask them and oh, I okay. tell you, but, um, I, that seemed to really help at the time. I also had a dermatologist, um, annual appointment checkup and he prescribed me with a shampoo, um, that was supposed to help with the itchiness and, um, the irritation as well. And so that, um, the topical things I found to be the best treatment for, um, this, the scalp rashes and um i also tried putting some jojoba oil on it um i that's a part of like my skincare regimen anyways and so um i just put it all over myself not only on my face but on my head and um that seemed to help too i think just paying attention to your scalp and what it's doing and trying to be proactive and caring for it was really helpful for me. Um, but you are getting this medication that, or chemotherapy that does cause those rashes. And so I think it was just inevitable that I had to deal with it, but thankfully the topical things, um, seem to minimize the discomfort a little bit. And do you recall how often you use the shampoo? Did you, shampoo? Yeah, I used and- it, Um, almost every day, every time I took a shower basically. And um, I uh, kind of enjoyed the fact of like the low maintenance, not having any hair and having to shower and wash it and dry it and style it. Um, So I didn't, I wasn't showering and washing it every day, but um, probably at least every other day Um, I would apply it and then let it sit for a few minutes, um, while I like wash the rest of my body and then I would rinse it off. Um, but otherwise keeping it out of the sun, um, wearing softer type hats,
0: um, definitely helped to keep the irritation down as well. And, you know, one of the things that's so important that we don't necessarily think about, you would think about wearing a hat to stay warm in the winter, but, you know, in the summer with the sun and sunburns. Now, did you have, did you end up putting sunscreen on your scalp?
1: Yes, I did. Um, and that it was more of like kind of like a moisturizing sunscreen. Um, but yes, I did that. I wear sunscreen on my face. And so in the morning when I put sunscreen on my face, I would put the sunscreen on my head, in addition to wearing hats and stuff out in the sun. When I'd go out in my backyard and play with my kids, I was sure to cover up with both sunscreen
0: and a hat just to keep the sun away. (laughs) And how did your kids, I mean, they're part of the part of like that experience to shave your head, but like, then why, how did they react? And they may be too little. I think, you know, that's people always worry about what their children will think and react and all of that.
1: They continued to be pretty lighthearted about it. Um, my youngest was pretty, she was, um, three years old at the time. And so I think she was probably the most taken aback by it. She was just kind of like, Oh, this is different and weird. And she never didn't verbalize anything, but I could kind of tell by her body language and her personality, like, Oh, this is, I don't, I'm unsure about this. Um, but my four-year-old at the time really liked to touch it. And it was kind of like pokey and soft at the same time. And, Um, so she, I recall after I shaved it, I came back downstairs and she was like, wow, mom, you look really funny. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I do. I it's different. And this is how my hair is going to look for a while. And so, um, I think luckily for me, they just kind of moved on and acknowledged that I look different, but then. Didn't really care much more about it, and it never was really. Um, it was never really an issue
0: for them, at least that they verbalized to and me. They're that still I could so tell. they're still so young too. That yeah. I think it's. No, I want to talk about kind of how the hair and when the hair started regrowing. But I have two more questions first. So the first question is, did you ever completely lose all of it?
1: Um, I never completely lost all of my hair. It was very very thin um and almost unnoticeable in pictures. It was almost like peach fuzz. Um, very thin in the way that there wasn't a lot of it, but then also very thin in the actual texture of my hair. Um, it was oh, like I said, almost like peach fuzz sort of. So um it never was completely gone, but it was
0: almost there. <laughs> Um, I think that's an important point because one of the things that I've learned, even just from talking to people is not to, like you said, not to shave it all the way down to avoid the reactions and the folliculitis, but it's helpful to, you know, we know sometimes some people don't lose all of their hair or starts to even regrow a little bit on the taxol. Um, And the second point is the second question rather is, you know, you wanted to feel empowered, right? And by being bald. were there ever moments, and if you don't want to answer this, that's okay, but were there ever moments where maybe you didn't feel empowered or moments that were hard? I don't know, you know, sometimes picking and dropping off the kids at school if they were in school or things like that.
1: Yes, definitely. I can recall a few times where I kind of regretted not having a wig. Um, one in particular was at a wedding. Um, I went to in the summertime for one of my husband's friends. And I hardly knew anybody. I knew like the bride and groom and that was it. And I, it was in the summer and it was kind of like the height of my chemotherapy treatment. And so I really did not have any hair to speak of. I mean, I had a little peach fuzz, but nothing else. And I thought to myself, you know, if I had a wig right now, um, nobody would probably know the difference. Like Um, nobody knows me. Nobody knows my story. Um, people probably wouldn't be able to tell, and maybe I would be more comfortable because of the fact that nobody knows me. Now I'm here, totally bald and people are probably like, Oh, what, I wonder what her story is or what's going on with her. Um, and so I do recall that experience, um, of kind of wishing that I had something to put on my head. Um, but then in hindsight, I was so, it was so hot. It was an outdoor wedding. I was so hot and sweaty that I was just like, you know, I probably would have been really uncomfortable anyways, with a wig on. Like you mentioned, picking kids up from school. There was a few times where my kids are little preschool kindergarten age. And there were other kids like, Oh mom, what? what happened to her hair? Or I, they called me a boy sometimes, like, who's that guy? And, um, a part of me just like, just kind of got like a little, Oh, like a lump in my throat a little bit, but I luckily have two little kids. And so I know that they have zero filter and they don't really mean, you know, they don't really mean what they say. They just start observant and anything that they think of comes out of their mouth. And, um, So if I had an opportunity, I, I took it to say like, oh, you, I, did I hear you notice that I don't have any hair? I have cancer and I have, I'm taking medicine that helps my cancer go away and it makes my hair fall out. Isn't that funny? And that's kind of how I addressed it with the kids, but other times it was like in passing and I wouldn't get the opportunity to say that, but um, yeah, it did kind of like, Twinge me a little bit, like, oh, that's kind of sad. But, you know, that was just one of the many things that I was dealing with at the time. And so I tried hard to just like, let it roll off one, uh, roll off my shoulder. But there were a few times where I thought being completely bald was kind of inconvenient or not fun. So if you
0: had to do it again, would you, or if you had to kind of never say to do this again but like yes <laughs> if, it's, if you know you rewind and you would you get a wig just to have it or you would still go through and be bald completely the whole time I think
1: I would still go through and be bald completely um I never wore one so it's kind of hard for me to say whether or not mm-hmm. it would have been better um or I would have liked Liked it, but I just remember my mom's experiences and how she got a wig and never really wore it because it wasn't comfortable. And that was also 20 years ago and things just like treatment have come a long way in the way of wigs and hair coverings. Um, so maybe I would have liked it, but I don't think I would do anything
0: differently than what I did. And let's talk about it regrowing Mm -hmm. when when did it start to grow back? What was it like? How did it feel? What did it look like? All the questions. Yeah.
1: I, so I started with Taxol and like you mentioned, sometimes people's hair starts to regrow during the Taxol cycles. Um, But then I went, I then took AC chemo and that really made my hair fall out. I was able to keep the majority of my eyelashes and my eyebrows while I was taking taxol. But as soon as I got AC, all of it was gone. Um, And so any regrowth, like possible regrowth that I really had from the taxol was gone um, shortly thereafter. I didn't notice too much regrowth until I was totally done with um, the chemo. So it was about uh, 20 weeks total when it did start to regrow was probably about a month or so after I stopped chemo altogether or I finished chemo. Um, And what it was, was kind of that peach fuzz that came back. And I originally thought it was going to be gray because it was so light and thin that um, I knew that that was a possibility. I'm 34 years old, but I knew that it was possible that it could be white when it grew back. And Um, So I was kind of prepared for that. I knew that if I didn't want to have white hair, I could always dye it. I told myself that. But thankfully, as it continued to grow, it did start to get thicker and become darker, which is pretty similar to what I had um, before I started chemotherapy. My hair was pretty dark brown. It may be a little bit darker than it was um, before, but the color is generally the same. Um, the texture is what is definitely different. And I know that lots of people talk about chemo curls and, um, from my mom's experience, I feel like I can, I notice chemo curls from a mile away. Like I know I can tell, like you have short curly hair. I can tell that that is what is happening for you. And, um, that is definitely happening for me, for me too. <laughs> I am like amazed at the ringlet curls that are growing on my head. Um, and it didn't start off curly. It probably took, let's see, six months or so for it to grow out long enough to actually be curly. Um, it was between that time it started to grow and, um, it was kind of wavy, but now that it's gotten longer, basically a year and a month out from finishing chemotherapy. And, um, I have like ringlet sausage curls (laughs) that are growing back. And, um, it's definitely been a learning process about how to care for them and, uh, how to style it, but I'm trying to embrace it and kind of see what happens with it. Well, I think it
0: looks beautiful. No, thank you. <laughs> when, when you say learning curve, like, where did you, how did you figure that out? It was your people you talked to, you searched online, you had friends. Cause I, I, I can't, I mean, I think it's different curls than just regular curly hair, right? Yes. It's, it's short, it's coming, like, it's just a very different. Yep. And it it is because it's short, it goes, It it
1: has a mind of its own and it sticks out this way one day and this way, the other, and. Some of my curls curl one way one day, and then the next day they curl the other way. And um, I had a friend that I met at my cancer center who was like almost in the exact same um, stage as me when we met. We were both doing chemo. We both had mastectomies at the same time. We both had um, lymph node dissections. We both had radiation at the same time. Um, And her hair is like completely straight. And it's growing back pretty much completely straight. And I was just like, okay, well, (laughs) you're not, a we can't really be resources for each other. Like I was hoping, um, but I really just was trial and error about how to style it and what products to use. And, um, I was gifted some shampoo that was supposed to help with hair growth. And, um, my friend called it like a scalp the fertilizer for your scalp. I felt like that really helped it grow in quickly and evenly. I was really lucky to have that be um, something that happened to me because I know that that's not the case for everybody. And um, some people's hair grows longer on the top or faster on the top or faster in the back. And uh, mine was pretty even, but um, I met with a hairstylist, in my town almost before I really needed a haircut and just said, this is what I'm up against. It's curly. What do I do with it? How do we, what do we do with this to make it look okay? And um, she helped me come up with some products to use, coined this phrase with me about making my hair regrowth an intentional hairstyle. She said, I want your hair to look like you intended it to look this way, even though that this isn't your choice. And, um, I was like, yes, an intentional hairstyle like that is exactly what I I want.
0: I love that. I think that's such a great phrase and and a great mindset, right? Yes, absolutely. And so she has helped me.
1: Um, I've probably had like six or seven trims and I'm a, a year out from chemotherapy. Basically. I know some people, who haven't cut their hair at all by this point. And I'm not sure what mine would look like um, if I hadn't cut it, but I liked the idea of having an intentional hairstyle because it's so curly, it tends to just poof right out. And so to have the back trimmed um, and have the around the ears trimmed has been good for me to make it look like I intended my hair to look this way. So, yeah. And do you put any product in it? Yes. I, when I do choose to do it, which is not too often, I have hair, it's kind of like a pomade um, paste from Kevin Murphy that I use. And I just, when it's wet, I just brush it all through. And then I kind of help some of the curls on the top, like spiral them around my finger. Um, The ones are like kind of closer to my face just to make it less frizzy. But if I were to put anything on it, it, just poofs right out. I kind of joke that I looked like Bob Ross when I <laughs> I was almost gonna be Bob Ross for Halloween because it was like so perfect. For me to be most comfortable, I need to have some type of product in it. so that's normally what I do.
0: That's really helpful advice. And one last question, you know when hair is falling out, people say that it, it hurts, it tingles, it's uncomfortable. What about when it's growing in? Is there any discomfort?
1: I did not notice any discomfort when it was growing in, um, maybe some like itchiness perhaps, but I didn't notice any discomfort. Like I did when it was falling out. Um, so that's been,
0: that's been really helpful before we wrap up, do you have any advice for someone who wants to go bald during chemotherapy, who does not want to get awake Do you have advice to them about how to talk to their family who maybe doesn't understand or wants them to get the wig or cold cap? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think, um, like we've touched on before,
1: it's such a personal preference, you know, and there are so many things with a cancer diagnosis that are out of your control. And, and I know that they say that cancer affects your whole family and it really does. But there are some things that you just need to do for yourself. And if you feel that you will be the most comfortable going bald and not having this added stress of a wig or cold capping, then you do you, girl. You know, like I just think that there are so many decisions that you need to make and the way that you live your life or that you handle treatment. Um I think that this is such a personal decision and I hope that if you express your desire to be bald to your family and your friends, um, that they would be accepting of that and just know that that is a side effect of having cancer treatment and it's out of your control. And if you want to embrace it and you feel confident enough to embrace it and go bald and not have the added thought about wigs or the financial responsibility of cold capping or a wig also, I hope that they would just respect that and that you would be confident in your decision to, to go bald.
0: Thank you for that. Uh, Is there anything else that we didn't touch on about hair or anything else that you want to share?
1: Um, No, I don't think so. I, I just think it's important to listen to your gut and if what you want to do is go bald, then do it and own it and surround yourself by people who will support you in that and lift you up because that is so important in healing, getting active treatment in general. If you want to do cold capping, I hope that you will do it and own it and embrace it and surround yourself by people who will help you and support you. And the same with the wig journey. If you want to do wigs, I hope that your family is accepting of that and embraces it and helps you pick one out and you have that fun experience of doing that. So I think it's such a personal choice that I just hope that everybody would be happy with whatever choice they decide to make and feel supported by
0: that. That's really the most important. If listeners have questions for you or want to connect with you online, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, I'm pretty active
1: on social media. Um, I don't share a ton about my diagnosis or my, my, Experience now only because I'm kind of out of that active treatment and my day to day life is pretty redundant. <laughs> There's not a lot of exciting cancer things that happen, but um, my uh, profile on Instagram is public. My username is Shannon OMC. I love to talk to people any stage in their cancer journey and I feel like getting support from people who have been there and or are in the same stage as you are is so important And it. Just the fellowship that this community provides um, can be really helpful in healing and dealing with any feelings that you have. So if anybody would like to reach out to me, I really um, would encourage them to do that. And I'd be happy to talk to them.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Shannon. I hope that you found it empowering and full of practical and helpful information for others that are about to go through this process or are going through it. If you did find it helpful, I would be honored if you can share it with a friend or a family member who might benefit as well. You can find Shannon on Instagram at ShannonOMC, and she loves to connect with people and to share her story and as always, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Dr. Doplansky. If you have a moment, I would be so grateful if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, as that is the best way to help me grow the show and to bring it to new listeners. Thank you all again for listening, and I will see you soon.